Welcome to the Housewife of Horrors podcast. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Housewife of Horrors. I am your host, Housewife Regina, and I am here with my faithful companion, Evil, from 3B Video. I'm back, back again. Evil's back. Tell some friends. So anyway, this week we decided to go not so heavy because last week it was a missing person that turned into 17 bodies. So this week we, I am going to be discussing um, a show that I found on the Roku channel called Murder House Flip. It's one season and they cover four houses per season. Well, I don't know about per season. It's just the one season at this point. Four houses on this one season they have up and going so murder house flip sounds like that what was that gunpowder wick boom thing <laughs> yeah from wicked attraction wick yes okay so anyway uh the show what's nice about this is it's not like other home makeover shows where you have like 20 minutes of drama and will we make it can we find the windows can we find the right marble there's really not a whole lot of that. It's five to six minutes per episode, uh, three episodes per house, and they cover a couple of big ones and then a couple of just other people who were murdered uh, that made like local news, but a couple of these are pretty big murder houses. That's a lot of information to cram in a single episode of five minutes. I mean, that's kind of nice. You can burn through these suckers relatively quickly if, if it's something that's intriguing you. you what missing like an hour two hours of your time to mow down the whole season yeah just about so the show starts out that says uh under california state law if a murder has occurred inside a home prospective homeowners must be told but after three years the murders do not have to be disclosed so obviously all these shows take place in california but uh, I just kind of was curious about how things run in Missouri, so I got a hold of a realtor friend of mine and asked her if, uh, in the state of Missouri, do you have to disclose a murder if someone is murdered in the house that is for sale? And uh, if you do have to disclose it, is there like a time limit? And she actually got back to me and said, to the best of my knowledge, you don't have to disclose a death or murder. It is up to the agent's discretion. Same rules apply to hauntings. You only have to disclose if illegal drugs were made on the property. So you can, you don't have to disclose a shit ton of murders, but you do have to disclose if it was a meth house. <laughs> were, seven, were seven people murdered here? Uh, that I cannot confirm. I can confirm whether or not this was a drug den. Uh, where are there murders attached to this? That is, uh, that is pure speculation, and I definitely cannot tell you whether or not those drug, those drug uh, zombies are haunting this house or not. Well, of course, I had to ask her, I'm like, have you ever sold or showed a murder house? And she says that she hasn't to the best of her knowledge, and she is glad about that. So thank you to my realtor friend, Christina. I totally appreciate your input and your expertise on the matter for the state of Missouri. And do know that if you do come across a house that is a murder flip house, uh... Housewife Regina might just bring you on the show and just divulge all that stuff for an oh, episode. I'll totally ask you 101 questions. The questions just won't stop. So getting into the first house, it is a historic, historic Victorian five-bedroom, one-bath in Sacramento, California. Five-bedroom is only one bath? Uh, right. That, what the that, fuck? That does seem like a lot of room That sounds for... like a pain in the ass for some family. Well, get a, it gets deeper than that. So this <laughs> house used to be the Dorothea Puente house, and she ran a boarding house there. So imagine being a boarder. You got these five bedrooms, the one toilet for all these people. Fuck boarding, this! Boarding up in there. So Dorothea is Sacramento's most notorious serial killer. She ran a boarding house in the 1980s where she would take an elderly, disabled, uh, preferably people with no families, nobody who would go looking for them, 
and uh, she would board them in her house and then eventually she started having them like sign over their social security checks to them and she killed them by giving them cream de menthe liqueur with poison in it uh, and I don't know if it was like all in one sitting poisoning or if it was like slow poisoning over time so she could still milk them for as many checks as possible this sounds oddly close to that Tales from the Crypt episode of Morton Downey Jr. investigating that haunted house of all those people that were those elderly people that were held up in that house that that the homeowner killed for the insurance money and all that shit like by pushing them downstairs and like slicing at them with a butcher knife and shit oh well after she would poison them and they would die she would put the bodies she would wrap them up as best as she could and she would put them in the bedroom for days sometimes even a couple weeks until she had a really good chance to bury them she had confirmed nine confirmed kills and six unconfirmed and she was arrested and charged with the nine murders in 1988 now that gets to where we are today where tom williams and barbara holmes bought the dorothy puente house in uh 2010 uh, oh, I totally glazed over. Um, they kind of... <laughs> There's a little glazing over there. Like, what the hell is permitting time to get to a body to bury it? Like, what else has she got going on in her day where well, it's this like... this show is only like 15 to 18 minutes per house. So they have to kind of just give you the cliff notes of the killings. <laughs> well, that's leaving me with a whole lot of questions just hearing about this show. Okay, so she killed all these people... She buried seven of them in her backyard, and one of those was up front. Um, we'll, was there, uh, did she bury them uh, under tomato plants? No, it was just a backyard. It was uh. nothing, you know, fancy, no garden of the sort. But uh, Tom and Barbara bought the house in 2010. And um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I totally lost my place because I got I totally got sidetracked on the bodies being buried in the yard. Uh, one Which of the, you should be. The seventh body uh, was actually dismembered, and no hands, head, or feet. Uh, they those hands, head, and feet were never found. What? Yeah. So they found the full six whole bodies in the side yard. I thought they found nine total, so they found... No, that she killed nine. She only buried the seven. I don't know what she did with the other two. And I kind of didn't really get into and what happened, what happened with, to all her victims. And what happened with the other supposed six? Um, I don't know. You'll they're have, with, to, you'll have the, to read up on that. Those six bodies are with the severed hands and head. Um, so anyway, uh, our hosts of the show are Joelle and Michael. Um, I think that they're... Those uh, are silly names. Let's not insult the hosts. I mean, I mean if I heard that, <laughs> it's Joelle and Michael, and we're here to murder house flip. Well, they come into, their, into the house uh, really wanting to help these people out. And um, so they get there, and the backyard of this place is like a total mess. Um, it's a graveyard. That was years ago. This is 2010 when they bought this house. The makeover is going on fairly recently. I'm thinking 2019, 2020. Mm. So anyway, there's no bodies anymore. It's just now it's their backyard. And she has like all these art supplies because she does mosaic art and stuff like that. So they really, um, they wanted to feel like it was their backyard and not Dorothea's graveyard anymore. So of course the couple, they leave and, uh, course michael and joelle they do their thing and they totally uh in front of like the storage shed they make this really nice gazebo for family get-togethers and they made like a little mosaic um plate in like the driveway with her grandchildren's names in it so uh they ended up just giving this graveyard a family warm gazebo with a fire pit nice place to get together and enjoy some grandkids and they made her an art space and the bo the where they found the body up front, they ended up putting in like a swing set with some like fake grass and stuff for the grandkids to enjoy. They did not dig up any body parts. I was kind of hoping you were going to tell me they put a pool in the backyard and we had a poltergeist kind of situation. And we're like, fuck, we found the other six. Well, what was nice was when Bob and Tar uh, 
Barbara and Tom uh, came back. They loved the transformation. They fell in love with their house all over again. And they even said that they just didn't feel like this was Dorothea's murder house anymore. So that being said, um, they can now kind of live there in peace and enjoy family times and not have to see this disheveled backyard where all these bodies of all these innocent people were buried. Hmm. That's, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I mean, and it's a really cute house, too. So, yeah, I don't know if I personally could buy a house where possibly 15 people were murdered seven of them buried in the yard some body parts missing i don't know how much of a discount you willing to offer me that's that, that, that's what my question would be next and like i would want to pull the dan Aykroyd shit from ghostbusters and be like i think we should stay here tonight you know sleep here try it out before we make any commitment like that uh personally i could live like if when we bought our house if they told us, oh, an old lady just died here, you know, she was just old, <laughs> natural causes, that's no big deal. But, like, the DeFeo murder house, Dorothea's house, any house where a life <laughs> is violently taken or multiple lives are violently taken, uh, that I just, I no, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> like, did Sophia die in the bed? Nah, she fell out of bed and died right here on the floor. Ew. <laughs> So next, we move down to Torrance, California, for a Cape Cod split-level, four-bedroom, four-bath house. Wow, now we're talking. Right. Four-bed, everyone's got their own bathroom? Sign me up. This is already a win. Okay, and this is the William Bradford house. This, um, you know, made local news, and uh, it actually made some recent news as of 2018, but... They don't say when John and Karina bought the house, but um, when they explained that when they first bought the, you know, was looking at it, they questioned the realtor about why is the house for sale? Nothing bad happened here, did it? And they <laughs> well... were told that an old lady passed away here of natural causes, nothing to worry about. It happened over 30 years ago. <laughs> well, then they started having shit happen around their house, like garage door opening and closing, lights flipping on and off, you know, the typical paranormal activity. So they got to digging, and they found out that on September 16th of 1988, Miss Joan Bradford was packing up to move to her new place, and he basically, they were in the middle of divorce, she got some extra money in the settlement, He's raging pissed off. He shows up, shoots her in the neck and face like five times. Well, then, so this is where the story differs a little. The couple tells the story that, that her kids found her the next day. But then I was reading an article when he finally did go to court in 2002 that it said in the L.A. Times that the teenage kids, quote, found her mother's bullet-riddled body in the house less than 30 minutes after she was shot. So either way, her teenage daughter found her, but it sounds like it was like minutes after she was shot multiple times. By the way, excellent wordplay on the, on the news report, a bullet-riddled body. <laughs> uh, that is actually a direct quote from that article. So... The case went cold for like 14, 15 years until 2002 when that article and his trial came about. William Bradford went to trial and he got 26 years to life. But then I was doing some more digging. What the show doesn't tell you is that he was granted parole in 2018 at the age of 84 despite the pleas of the daughter that discovered the body. So he is now 84, old as fuck, and is now free after blasting on his wife in the neck and face with a gun. So, And he's still roaming the streets to this day. I don't know if he's roaming the streets. He's probably, you know, went to a halfway house and then to a regular house after that. But So he's sitting in a chair somewhere off of a street. Well, the couple, John and Karina, go on to say that they feel that their living room um, has this 
cold, negative energy, and they don't like using the living room, uh, and they really just, they want something to change, to lighten it up, to make the space their own. So, um... They called a priest. <laughs> no, they ended up calling two interior decorators. Close. Um, so then, like, halfway through this, John ends up telling us that rumor has it that the gun was never found and that he had a uh, a safe inside the fireplace and that the gun is possibly in this safe that is in the fireplace and now it's sounding like some crane brothers mysteries <laughs> yes so um she, the wife just really wants a light airy space lots of light a nice hosting space she doesn't like the the brick that was originally in the house when the Bradfords lived there was a brick chimney. They had like a marble facade put over it. So when they get into that, of course, Michael, he is just anxious to start busting this fireplace up with the sledgehammer, which he does. Like he's swinging this shit like it's a carnival prize at the end. What's he swinging? A sledgehammer. A sledgehammer. So, of course, they start sledgehammering away at this marble, and it reveals a brick fireplace behind the veneer. And they see some bricks that look a little different, and they find an opening. However, it's only an opening where a safe once was. So, the rumor about the fireplace safe was true, but it had been removed. Uh, um, total Al Capone's vault. It totally was. Like, I was excited for them to at least find a safe, even if it was empty. You know, I, I didn't need them to find the gun, but just to give the validity of there really being a safe in this fireplace. Just hearing the story, I kind of wish they found the gun. <laughs> and did he use this fireplace? I would imagine that would make that safe hot as fuck. Uh, like a roaring fire all winter long. Well, I don't know. I don't think they really get like winters in Torrance, California. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, I think you're you're confusing winters for here locally with California. Or what's it get there? Fifty. Probably ruins their whole day too. Like you know, it's fifty outside, man. Well, and uh, so the makeover's going on, and what's nice is is they don't do like a whole complete home makeover. They just kind of concentrate on the areas that the family feels is giving like a negative energy or where the murder happened itself. So they ended up getting uh, like a whole kind of new fresh coat of paint on the front of the house to kind of give it a different look. And then they really did just light and airy. They took her suggestion and they fucking made gold out of it. And that living room was just gorgeous. It totally, it looks like some kind of home display. It looks so good. Hmm. And then, of course, like the previous couple, they told when they walk in, they forgot about the murders. They're just <laughs> so happy about, you know, everything that has changed in their house and new this new potential for family get togethers and stuff that they were like, yeah, we we totally forgot that, you know, something horrible happened here. So and I when they when they did the reveal, I really love how John and Karina's face just lit up because they showed them, of course, the outside of the house first, and when they, you know, bring them up to the front of the house, their eyes are closed, and when they get to see their new house, uh, they just really lit up, and then they also told them about the safe and that there was only a space for the safe, and they really just, you could see kind of a relief come over them that they just didn't have this bad mojo, this bullshit safe in there connected to this horrible murder of this innocent woman who is just trying to start a new chapter of her life I'd like a follow up to be like so did this kill any uh, haunting activity going on doing this remodel I don't know if like the doors shutting and lights and stuff flip on but when they <laughs> did go into the house I mean you could just I don't know. There was just something different about John and Karina. Now, granted, we only get 15 to 18 minutes and the beauty of cutscenes and stuff, but it really <laughs> did seem like they were happy with the transformation and knowing that the safe isn't there, the gun isn't there, that they can kind of move on from this horrible crime that happened there in the 80s. 
Now they're waking up at three in the morning and the walls are bleeding. Um, I'll look further into that. We'll, we'll, we'll have a follow-up. We'll see what's going on. They so, left after 28 days. <laughs> as far as I know, the family still lives there. Once again, it's a fairly recent show, so... I'll have to look I'm, it all up on Zillow. I'm going to assume that they still live there, at, because once again, this all just happened within the last year. See, I thought what the title is going to be people that had this place that they wanted to sell like i thought that was the point of a flip i guess they're just the flip is just turning this uh grim uh macabre location into a more homesteady type place well then next uh the third house we moved to this one isn't like it made local news and this one's really fucked up (laughs) um like i actually kind of started reading more into this because once again this is like 15 to 18 minutes per house you merely get the cliff notes of what the crime is and who these people are so the next one is in oceanside california and it is a beach town fixer two bedroom one bath and it's a cute couple named oliver and chelsea and they bought they bought the house in 2014 okay so this one starts off already. I like this realtor. This realtor totally kept it real with her. But she texts <laughs> she texted the realtor about wanting to see the house and he texts her back a news article about Frederick Hingle. I'm probably saying the last name wrong. H E N G L. Hingle. Hingle. Uh anyway, um My name is Patty Hingle. Frederick uh, dismembered his wife in the bathroom of this house and um he put her head in the fr- freezer. Uh, when police got there, he was cooking pieces of her on the stovetop. Whoa! Um, he used to work at a hardware store, so he had access to like all these kind of tools and saws. And give me the bone saw. They actually did find a bone saw in the bathroom. <laughs> Where well, do you need a medical supply? Sounds like. Well, uh, this all kind of starts somewhere. So, she had Alzheimer's. His wife Anna had Alzheimer's. And he had quit his job in 2012 to take care of her full time. Um, and I guess, I don't I don't want to say he wanted to put her out of her misery because cutting her up, even though she's already dead, that's just, I don't know. If I wanted to put someone I love dearly out of their misery. You wouldn't cut me up and eat me afterwards? No, I'm not cutting anybody up. Um, <laughs> You'd want to... S- <laughs> but I'm taking a part of him with me if I put him in the in the oven and cook him up. Plus, you know, tastes super good. No, um, actually, they didn't find any evidence of cannibalism, according to one of the articles that I did read about this. Then why the fuck was he cooking her? I don't know. Maybe he was just finding some way to dispose of her easily or something. Now it sounds like the rock in painting game, like, fucking cooking them on a grill and like it smells horrible to take the grill outside well what got him caught was he got an extractor fan to get the smell of the decomposition out of the house and of course neighbors all around (laughs) smelled this foul smell and called police now it's the burbs um yeah so um he ends up uh going to jail he was sentenced in 2013 and six months into his sentence he died of cancer I, uh, so maybe he already knew he had cancer i'm so going out with a bang killing her and cutting her up was kind of just uh i don't know some icing on a fucked up cake of his fucked up life uh i mean nobody knows cake. what <laughs> nobody knows what's in anybody's head but Needless to say, this poor lady with Alzheimer's who, you know, just wanted to live her everyday life, I guess. She ends up getting... My bad. That was my phone. Anyway. um, I warned you about that pre-thing. I thought I turned it off. You lie! So, once again, Joelle and Michael, they completely do the outside of this house because in the neighborhood, it's known as the Blue Murder House. So, no um, haunting or anything going on here, just just murder. Uh, they didn't say that they had any experiences, just that 
you know, everybody knows they live in this blue murder house. And to be honest with you, the front of it, it's all like this rough looking stucco and it is blue and it just, it looks so small and unimpressive really. It, it looks like a, a, just an unimpressive house. Uh, it's right by the beach too. Um, I mean, they're right there at the beach. So they end up smoothing out the stucco and putting up whiteboard to really give it that beachside look. Um, they've already got basically the living room and the kitchen already in order. So they really just focus on making the house no longer the blue murder house. And uh, to add insult to injury to all this, they did all this stuff to the house, but the bathroom was still the original bathroom where he killed Anna. So they go in and they completely take this bathroom down to the bare bones and give them this whole new bathroom. But when they're like tearing up the flooring, they end up finding like brown stains. Um, That's blood. That's blood. But yeah, and they like kind of put some like hydrogen peroxide on it to see if it'll foam up, and it totally does. So even though they've probably cleaned this bathroom 101 times, there's still all that blood that was. I make it sound like it was copious amounts of blood. It was just. I mean, there is that amount in a human body, regardless of the size of it. Uh, this was under the floor tiling, so it was just you know what couldn't really be cleaned up by whoever took over the house after the murder but before Oliver and Chelsea bought it um, and like John and Karina when they saw the front of their house and they got to see you know now it looks like this cute little beach cabana their faces just lit up and um, they went through there and they love the new bathroom they really just cleaned it up so good and gave it a honestly I'm it, this is gonna kind of sound like an insult and it's not but the bathroom looked like a really nice like hotel bathroom um, it was spacious and it had kind of the color nice color scheme anyway I'm not an interior decorator but I thought it was a nice bathroom <laughs> but we do like a big bathroom and um, something that I've noticed throughout the show we're like a couple episodes in we're three episodes in three houses in I mean and Joelle and Michael they really they take these simple suggestions of the homeowners like Karina all her suggestion was was light and airy and they really just take those suggestions and make make it beyond their expectations in addition to going beyond the homeowner's expectations, um, they put little special touches on their transformations. Like with the first couple, they did the mosaic tiles in the driveway of her grandkids' names. Uh, this one, this this couple, they want to start a family, and they kind of they made this whole backyard area really nice and done up for them and they had a little placard put up with their last name that said like the Levinson family so they really do <laughs> put nice little homey touches on it they put a sign out in the front of the front of the house that said high hopes <laughs> uh, when they were done it really did look like another house and once again it, I don't know if they're told to say this but the so far every couple uh, that owns a murder house in the show so far they've said that they guess when they see it they forgot about what happened here they're so happy with their house they love what happened uh and yeah so that that's a really nice connection that they give to all these people hmm. it's a weird recommendation for for a set of people like if you wanted to recommend them to somebody that you know I'm like oh yeah our house total murder house Everyone knows knows it at that. These folks turn that shit around for us. You want to, we can recommend them to you if you'd like. Right? Yeah, you'll have to be you know out publicly on this show and all that. But I think if they're going to fix my place up for free because they want my house on a show, I mean I'm game. Let's see what they can do. <laughs> no, unfortunately, there's no murder. No murders took place in our home, so we can't get on the murder house flip show. Um, okay, <laughs> this last place, 
Uh, I'm totally probably going to massacre how do you how they say the name, but at Canunga Park. Canunga Park. Canunga Park, California. They Canunga have a, Park. a suburban ranch home, four bedroom, two bath, and Ooh. it's the uh, Joseph and Judith Barcy house. And um, this is another. This was another famous murder of Judith Barcy and her mom. Um, she was the voice of Littlefoot on Land Before Time. Oh. Yeah, cute little 10-year-old girl. I've heard and a little bit about this. Yes. So this family, Francisco, Ruth, and Gabby, they all bought the house in 2001. And when they bought the house, they knew nothing of the history. Uh, and the history is in July 1988... Joseph killed Judith. Um, Did all these take all these take place in 1988? N- no. Some, I thought, I okay. Like three of these. Three Dorothea of these house takes murders. place in the 80s. Oh. I A couple was, of these were in 88. 88. A lot of people killing people in. 88 I mean, it in was California. the 80s. <laughs> Murder was in. They, you know, cocaine's one hell of a drug. You know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, Judith was like the big breadwinner of the family. Um, the mom was wanting to get a divorce and take Judith because he had a drinking problem and he was just kind of an asshole. So he comes home one night, Judith sleeping in her bed and he kills her. The mom rushes out to see what the hell's going on and she gets shot down in the hallway and then he kills himself. Um, the room where, uh, Judith was killed is Gabby's bedroom. Um, and, she, you can see watching this that um, Gabby has been affected by this for a long time. Like, there's just something in her mannerisms and her body language that you can tell this, the activity, because they have activity as well, like the lights and the doors. I was about to and, ask. I was like, so how did they, if they didn't know what, ha- what went on there, I was like, what's well, their telltale? I, I'm getting to that. I'm okay. getting to that. Anyway, so... Um, when they're moving in, the neighbor basically comes over shortly afterwards and is like, hey, you know what happened here? And they were like, uh, no. <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> so the neighbor totally spills the beans. Um, what and, an asshole. Well, and then one thing Gabby said in the show, okay, so I'm assuming she's like 20, 21, because they bought the house when she was 10. And uh, she talked about when shortly after she moved in, she started to have an imaginary friend, and his name was Joseph. So we have this imaginary friend named Joseph. We've got lights and doors going all different directions, all kinds of crazy shit. They feel like whenever they're in the hallway, they feel like there's a presence watching them in the hallway. They don't, she doesn't like her room because it's just small and cramped. This hallway is small and cramped two innocent people were murdered in there uh and you can also see like the dad he is bothered that his family isn't happy there he's unhappy his daughter can't sleep like you can see he is visibly upset over the toll that the activity has taken on his family in this house and you got this crazy ralph fucking guy living next door going ah moved into the mud house it's camp blood so Gabby also says that she won't sleep facing the window because when she uh, because that's how Judith was found was facing the window. Is that shit the neighbor said too probably? Uh I'm I'm sure there's a lot of this this I mean there's a lot of stuff that's public information that you'd be shocked as public information. I totally see this neighbor guy saying that too like and she died facing that window. Did I ruin the day for you? Well, of course, they step in and they really just lighten up this hallway. Um, You know, they kind of lighten it up with some better lighting, lighter paint, fewer pictures on the wall to kind of really give this narrow hallway a little more uh, openness about it. And they take the wall where the window is that Gabby won't face and they open that up into some French doors that go out into this 
beautiful backyard area that they redone because they had like a little kind of garden and some plants going but they're they really um just kind of stepped in and bettered it like they put them in like boxes and organized and got them some better furniture and one thing i liked um was that this the french doors you know give gabby her independence to kind of come and go in and out of the house as she pleases well um and when they start first like interviewing this family you can see that there's just like this cloud that is over them and but when they did all of the reveals I mean the mom was crying the daughter's getting emotional the dad's even getting emotional because everybody's happy and it just really felt like a weight was lifted off this family um, like Gabby can sleep again she doesn't you know have to be afraid to sleep facing the window well now French doors <laughs> And uh, like a couple of the other shows, they once again, they really did a personal touch with Gabby's room. So when they're remaking this whole room, they go and get her like this little amethyst geode, which they say helps aid in the healing process. And they put that in her room for like her bedside table um, as kind of, you know, a symbol of you can start healing now. You don't have to let the nightmares plague you anymore. You don't have to feel like somebody's watching you anymore. You can start to heal. Hmm. That's uh, deep shit. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll admit, like the other three were really good and very sad murders on all of these. Very. Uh, all the shows were really good, but when they got to this one, uh, I did get teary-eyed because you can really see that this family you know, like yeah the others had some you know disturbances and stuff but they I don't know they just didn't seem as troubled by it uh, maybe they're just kind of perpetrating that they weren't as troubled by it but this family you could see that they they just felt so much lighter and it was really nice to see this horrible heinous murder of a 10 year old girl um, really get turned around into something positive for this new family in their new home well not so much new home but newer to them a revamped home right and this house is now clean so that kind of covers the whole show i didn't want to go too much into like the interior decorating of it because we're not here to talk about interior decorating we're here to talk about murder but we do like talking about uh, the number of bathrooms per home, which is a real make or a breaker. Uh, I would not be at all interested in a house with five bedrooms and only one, one bathroom. Like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. And not just mention that, but, like, say you lived in a place before that that had, like, two or three bedroom uh, bathrooms, and then you go to this five-bedroom house thinking, ooh, everybody's going to have their own space, no more sharing rooms, and there's one bathroom. How do you go from two, three bathrooms back to one bathroom? Who does that? Uh, definitely not someone who's in my position who is living with three, count them, three females, all with red hair, and I... I would rather chew broken glass than have to live in the house with only one bathroom in it. Give me that, what was it, that uh, second house that had four bedrooms, four bathrooms? I'm like, fuck yes, that's the jackpot. Everybody gets their own bathroom. Hell yes, there's a lot of toilet paper to go through, but worth it. Okay, well, this really isn't, you know, like part of the show or anything, but talking about murder houses... Uh, we live Wichita, Kansas, Park City, Kansas, uh, is about three hours from here, and that's where BTK, Dennis Rader, lived and operated uh, when he was conducting his murders and living his regular everyday life. Fuck that guy. And I know that he, his house, after he was convicted, his house was torn down. So the, the BTK house in Park City is gone. Well, so is a uh, locally and, around here. Yes, and then we have a local serial killer that's kind of made big news back in the 80s, uh, which was Bob Berdella, and his house was torn down as well. I'm not exactly sure when it was torn down, but I do know 
that the property, like once it was all kind of smoothed out and they started growing grass there, the split. property was split to each homeowner on each side of the house. I think one guy put a garage over his half of it, from what I heard. I and just remember that. They call him Bob Berdella. They needed to tear that house down because there was just, I mean, when they were digging up the yard, they found all kinds of things. He killed and tortured all kinds of, well, he targeted um, young, young, men. young gay men who were either fresh off the Greyhound bus station, really had no place to go. He kind of would make the proposition of, hey, you do shit around my house, like clean it, fix it up, you can live here for free kind of thing. And all the while, he's, you know, hooking them up to jumper cables and injecting them with Windex and shit. and Bleach in the throat to keep them from screaming. Yes, he, he did all kinds of... On top of, of having dogs and shit that I believe were never really taken out a great deal. So you just had dog shit and piss just everywhere in the house on top of, you know, torture and murder going on, which... He would do in the basement of the house and shit and leave corpses out for the trash. And all the while, like Dennis Rader, Bob Berdella was a pillar of the community. He started neighborhood watches. He would do KCPT telethons back in the 80s, raising money for community organizations. And he was even a business owner in the Westport area where he ran like a uh, oddities and it was called Bob's Bizarre Bazaar, where he would, he said he traveled around the world and got like these oddities and all these, you know, trinkets and knickknacks and stamps and coins and shit like that from all over the world for his shop. And he claimed, now, a lot of this is speculation because he's now dead. Um, the victims, of course, are not here to speak for themselves, but like he did have a lot of skulls for sale in his shop and it's none of the skulls uh for sale in the shop were found to, to be any victims or belong to anybody Good. he did have four fake ones in the uh in his front window during uh ncaa basketball season guess what he had written on those heads the final four you got it yeah so okay that's now, a whole episode in and of itself we'll this is to, another rumor him. i heard growing up um just how true this is, I don't know. What I, think I it hope, is, I I hope know. to God it is not true. But this I don't is, think it is. This is one of the many rumors that you know you hear when you have a famous serial killer in your town. And uh, I mean, KC is it's not like small, small, but it's a small world when you're in KC. But one of the rumors is back in the day, Westport used to have like these street parties where they would have vendors and all kinds of food and music and shit like that. And they always said that Bob was known for his world-famous chili. Uh, he had never said he did anything of the sorts like that. Well, and I could say I never did anything of the sorts like that. Doesn't no, make it true. No, but when he's, you know, questioned and he's explaining like, yeah, I did all this stuff. I did this and this. When, when he's very open about things that he did do, and which is a lot of really fucked up things that he did do and had done, like when he had the end of his dick more or less bit off by one of his uh, slave guys uh, when he's very adamant, like, I never ate anybody or cooked anybody up kind of thing. It's like, okay, I mean, he is telling us, but he's, you know, got nothing to win or lose by telling telling the truth, but I guess some of the, like, just how he would say, no, I'm going do no shit like that. Uh, they're like, yeah, we kind of believe him on that. But the rest of the stuff, yeah, it's all out there and clear as crystal. In black and white. But yeah, so uh, I'm, anyway, back to the house. I'm glad that the house was torn down because I'm sure it would probably be, you know, one of those macabre kind of tourist attractions for, I know I would want to go and I live here. And so I'm obviously part of the problem by going to this house. So I'm glad that it was torn down. Part of the reason why 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, they changed the address of it to not be 112 Ocean Avenue because they're still getting people that show up, show up there and like, just want to see the house, heard the story, want to see the house. And I saw some old news reports where somebody was like, why are you checking this out? I was like, oh, does someone live here now? I thought it was abandoned. Uh, the Sharon Tate house was also torn down and then it was readdressed. Uh, so 
the house that was built in its spot you would think would have the same house number it does not it has been slightly changed by a couple and there a fucked up story about the door like someone that bought the door to that place. oh yes um so years after the murders and everything happened there trent Reznor of nine inch nails bought the house what a weird guy um and then okay so i don't know the details to this yet but there was a chance meeting that trent Reznor had with sharon tate's sister and I know that, like, she kind of asked him, like, why did you buy the house? And why are you feeding into the folklore with buying the house? Kind of, I don't know the 100% details, but I do know that was part of the conversation. He said later that night, after the conversation, he went home and cried and decided to sell the house. He did, however, keep the front door, which is in his studio in New Orleans. Again, weird kind of guy. And this is stuff that I read. I read this God, back in, like, 2016. I read this, so, I mean, maybe he got rid of the door. I don't know what he's done with it since, but at the time when I was looking farther into that, he had kept the front door, and it hangs in his studio. Hmm. So, after talking about all these uh, uh, houses that have, have memories... Of sorts, whether murder, death happens, uh, hauntings or whatnot. Have you ever experienced anything personally with anywhere that you've lived that you thought was a... No, I have never had an experience in any house I've lived in. Um, No. I I don't know if it's because I'm a skeptic, maybe because I'm not open to it, but also when I go to all the abandoned places that I go to to photograph them, I get people that ask me all the time, oh my God, this place is so old. Did you have any experiences? And it's like, no. And I feel I don't have experiences because I am not focused on that. When I am in a place, you're I- too focused on your work, what I you're doing. I am, like I have limited time. <laughs> like one place, I, I got seven minutes to get what I had to get and get out because law enforcement does, you know, uh, frown on what I do. So that being said... A lot, of, a lot of savages ruining it for, for people like you. They want to go in there and fuck shit up and vandalize stuff and whatnot. They're right. the problems. I just, I want to walk in there, take pictures, and walk out. That is my mm-hmm. goal with every place that I go. But I've never had experiences in a place, and I feel it's because I'm focused on I gotta get these certain shots, I wanna cover these certain aspects. Like if I'm in a school, I definitely, you know, hallway shots, some classroom stuff, that's cool. But I like to get the auditorium, the gymnasium, offices if I can, and then, you know, some hallway and classroom stuff. Um, so once again, I just feel I'm so focused on getting what I need to get to get out that I'm just, I'm open. I mean, if one happens to me, that's, I don't want to say that's cool. Cause I don't know what kind of experience, you know, yeah, I don't want anything negative if I'm going to have one. Uh, I wouldn't, I'm not, ha- I didn't have a experience so to speak. But I did my house that I grew that the majority of my childhood I grew up in. Uh, my dad did get sick, did pass away in the house. About six months after he passed, there was a house fire, unrelated, nothing supernatural about the house fire. Completely uh, dumbass human fucking error uh, on that. But uh, after the house fire. Uh, completely remodeled everything in the, in, inside. Big, nice house out in the country. But uh, before all that kind of went down, I never it, once ever had any issues. Uh, I used to work nights all the time, real early, early mornings. I never had any issues uh, going through the house at night, leaving the house, coming home, like turning on lights, off lights, walking around in the dark. Never really anything, but... For whatever reason, I mean, I was done moved out of the house when all this ended up going down. Uh, but when I would go back there, uh, when, like, Mom would be out of town and she'd want me to look after the dogs, whatnot, turn lights on and off, check for mail and stuff. For whatever reason, when nighttime would hit, I just 
it, it was an uneasy feeling of being in the house. Like it didn't, it didn't feel like home anymore. It just, I don't, I don't know what that was. Maybe I lived in the city too long, got too city-fied for the big old country house, but it definitely, there was a presence uh, there that just wasn't quite the same. So that's the closest I got for, for that. Well, with that being said, uh, if any of you listen, uh, listening, have ever had a, like a haunted experience, whether you're out exploring something or you were staying somewhere or it was your own home, uh, feel free to drop us a line. Uh, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram under Housewife of Horrors, uh, and that's a plural S. Um, <laughs> Not to be confused with the singular. Right, right. She's um, her own thing. She is her own thing, and she's a creative horror content creator, uh, and we discussed a little bit of her last week. Shout out to Housewife of Horror. Um, but uh, on that note, um, if you have a suggestion for a show, we kind of took it easy this week because there was a holiday, and I kind of had a lot going on, And but we'll get back to the hard-hitting <laughs> shit next week. In all, in all fairness, last week not only was heavy hitter but that was the most like hard to keep track of story yes just even hearing about it i'm like i i need a tack board with string and shit just to keep it straight in my own head after you done all the research for me and was telling me the cliff notes of it Right, it, it was just sheer madness to that because... Madness! There's, I mean, there was body parts found in like 2003, and then 2011, it ends up being the same person, and that's a whole other ball of wax. But I appreciate you listening this week, and if you, get a, if you do have the Roku channel, the show originally started on Quibi, so I think that's why the episodes are so short, but I do love how it's uh, short, sweet, to the point you get the history of the house you get to know the people a little bit you get some makeover you get the reveal they move on it's fabulous especially if you have a short attention span for a lot of things (laughs) who doesn't in this day and age but we'll be back next week with uh, something more hard-hitting and in-depth and if you do have a suggestion or a haunted story you can reach me on instagram or Facebook at Housewife of Horrors. And we appreciate your time. And thanks for listening. And thanks for the support. And if you're interested at all in finding any of the shit that I'm doing, I'm on 3B Video on YouTube or on the Slash and Cast Podcast Network, the 3B Video Deep Cut Podcast. Talk all types of uh, goofy-ass horror movie cinema. All right. Well, once again... Thanks for the support, the love, your time, and uh, any suggestions that you may send me um, will be reviewed and appreciated and taken into consideration. Put it in the suggestion box. I'm totally rambling now, so you all stay scary out there and enjoy some true crime and murder and, like, listening and, you know, watching it, not (laughs) doing it. (laughs) Just cut it! Okay, bye.